0: Hello, Pittsburgh Steeler fans, and welcome to another episode of Pittsburgh, Voice from Across the Pond. I'm Owen, the Macamunza, broadcasting to you live here from the UK. I'm putting this broadcast down a little bit later than I originally planned. I was just catching up on the Penguins game, approximately a bit of a nail bite there. A great 1-0 win by the Penguins in the the end, thanks to a shutout performance from Tristan Jari and a goal from Mm -hmm. Evgeny Malkin fantastic performance from the boys very proud of them tonight anyway back to the Pittsburgh Steelers my big passion in life Went for an interview today uh, for a job and uh, happened to mention to the person interviewing interviewed me that I was a Steelers fan and I was into uh, broadcasting to the US and the UK and all over the world through my podcast and running my social media platform. And she said that was a fantastic thing to do and to keep up with it, which was nice to hear. Um, also, whilst I was shopping the other day, I ran into a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. and had a fascinating discussion with him as well as regards the Steelers and the Jaguars. I did, of course, sympathise with him being a Jaguars fan and what they've gone through in past seasons. So back to the Pittsburgh Steelers. What news out there in Steeler Nation? So, you know, we're in this off-season, this crazy, crazy off-season we're already in. And it seems that even though the, the football season is done and there's no NFL games ongoing, there is a constant flow of news coming out of the NFL, coming out of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um Fascinating interviews, obviously, given by Kevin Colbert this week and Art Rooney II this week. Um, also, Brian Flores with Brian Gumble as well. Some, you know, fantastic interviews which I made reference to in my previous podcasts. Um, during Colbert's interview uh, this week, Colbert um, mentioned that uh, when when asked about the franchise going stale, he said that, you know, the... Where were they still? He wasn't sure. You know, that's not a question he could answer. But, you know, that 971 was not good enough for the Pittsburgh Steelers, which, you know, is a fact. You know, as a franchise that doesn't do losing, as a franchise that since Chuck Knoll took over has the best winning percentage in the NFL, you know, 971 is not good enough for the Pittsburgh Steelers. As a franchise, even when we rebuild, we are still competitive. Pittsburgh Steelers don't do a rebuild in the same way. The Jags, the Giants, the, you know, the Lions... Uh, the jets do a rebuild. you know we don't do like a two and 15 or a 3 and 14 rebuild season. We we retool rather than rebuild. Colbert's view on consistency was that the Steelers weren't consistent enough last year. That um, to be consistent, you know, that we need to make sure that we are not losing games by more than two possessions. Now, an interesting uh, bit of uh, research that I read on, on a website was regarding the Steelers' losses by more than two possessions. So nine plus points last season. Um, that obviously represents more than two possessions. Because obviously that's a field goal and a touchdown. So on that... Um, this piece of research that I looked at, looked at the Mike Tomlin era and the last year of the Bill Cower era. So it went right back to 2006. And it stated the number of games that the Pittsburgh Steelers have lost by nine or more points, so a two possession game. And it's a fant- fascinating certificate. So the last year of Bill Cowher's uh, reign as Pittsburgh Steelers coach, we lost five games by nine points or more. So that's five games. That was the Probably one of the worst in the Coward era. Then the Mike Tomlin era began in 2007. So 2007, we lost one game by nine points or more. 2008, one game. 2009, zero games. 2010, two games. 2011, two games. 2012, two games. 2013, three games. 2014, two games. 2015, two games. So that, that period really stable, really settled. The Steelers weren't losing any games by big margins. 2016, three games, 2017, one game, 2018, one game. So again, you can see consistently not losing by more than nine points, obviously showing how good our defense was during that period. And obviously, during that period, we had the Super Bowl success uh, that Ben Rattlesburg led us to. Um, then, in two thousand and nineteen, the season that obviously Ben blew his arm up and went out injured after, during the Seattle game, we lost three games um, by nine points or more during that Duck Rogers, Duck, Duck Rogers, who's Duck Rogers, Duck Hodges even, and Mason Rudolph season. Um, did some research into that later into Mason Rudolph as well. and I'll talk about that shortly. Um, twenty twenty, the season we went twelve four and then obviously um, imploded and blew up in the first round of the playoffs against the Cleveland Browns we lost two games by nine points or more now last season was our worst season since 2006 for losing games by nine points or more we lost five games by two by two possessions by nine points or more five games so of the seven games we lost five of them were by nine points or more this wasn't, obviously is not good enough for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, if you look at those five games that we lost, we lost to the Raiders at Heinz Field by nine points. We lost to the Bengals at Heinz Field by 14 points. We lost to the Packers at Lambeau Field by 10 points. Obviously, that game is slightly dubious and slightly couched in the terms. that Obviously, the, obviously the uh, blocked field goal that where Joe Hayden was called offsides, but obviously it was not offsides, um, it, it is very debatable on that one. We then lost to the Bengals in Cincinnati, rather embarrassingly, 31 points in what is believed one of the worst performances by a Pittsburgh Steelers side in many a year. And we lost to the Chiefs, our ahead, during the regular season, by 26 points. That's obviously just on regular season games, not counting the playoff game, where again the Chiefs handed us um, a pretty bad beating so five <laughs> games where we lost by nine points or more and obviously for a team that, like the Steelers that wants to compete season in season out and wants to be in the reckoning come the playoff time, come division round time and come championship Sunday, that isn't good enough. So what were the reasons for those five games? What were the reasons for us being out of those games by so much, and that could have been so much more if you think about it. You know the fourth, the fourth quarter comebacks and the, and the and the second half comebacks against the likes of the Chargers and the Vikings that could have been so much higher. That could have been all seven defeats could have been by nine points or more had we not fought back in those second, in those third, fourth quarter games. Thanks to obviously Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, what were the reasons? Well, I think the first reason we need to look at is. Our offensive line, our offensive line, and our offense tanked pretty much game in, game out. The offensive line was one of the worst in the NFL. Not the worst, obviously. I think it's twenty sixth. I said the other day that it was ranked in the NFL, and failed to protect Big Ben. Big Ben couldn't move anywhere. You know, he wasn't mobile anyway, but he could not get anywhere. He could not escape anywhere. And I don't care who you would have put back there; they would have struggled to escape um, behind that offensive line. Also, the offense failed spectacularly on many an occasion to consistently move the ball often we would fail not do anything with the ball into the fourth quarter or we might do something early and then just tail off in the second half as we did in the sort of the Denver Broncos game so That was, in itself, one of the major problems. The offence failed to be able to move the ball, failed to be able to keep the scores close, failed to consistently put points on the board. And when the defence turned the ball over, the offence failed on a consistent basis to convert those turnovers into touchdowns. Either they went three and out, or at best, it went to a Chris Boswell field goal. Obviously, Chris Boswell had an outstanding season. Why else? Well, our defeat, defensive line was severely weakened last season. Obviously, losing Tyson Alu-Alu to injury in the second game was a major loss, given the fact that if you look at a lot of the rushing success teams had against us, it was straight down the middle where Tyson would have been. And if Tyson had been there, I very highly doubt that they would have had that success straight down the middle. So that's one big thing for me. Also, the loss of Stefan Tewitt. Um Obviously, that is still up in the air as to what is going to happen with Stefan. So the weakened D-line did not help. Those two factors as well, obviously combined together to put our defense in a position where they were constantly, um, I think, what's the term? that's used often, gassed. Um, they were struggling. You know, when an offense fails to chew up clock, fails to move the ball on a consistent basis, fails to put up time-eating drives, then your defense is constantly back out there. When your offense is going three and out, three and out, three and out, it means that your defense is back on the field consistently. And with the best one in the world, like was shown in that Kansas City playoff game where the defense did a fantastic job for the first 20 minutes they can't keep that up they cannot keep up that level of play when the offense is singly failing to move the ball on a consistent basis the defense were often very highly gassed they were struggling they were tired and that's another reason why they fell away and lost some of these games so badly and performed badly particularly if you look at the Chargers game as well and the Vikings game as well so that's the reason it's an interesting piece of research that I found. Um, I also uh, delved into a bit of research into Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph uh, is 5-4-1 as a starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, some, which some point to as being a decent record. Yes, it is a decent record for a backup quarterback. Um, but when you consider that uh, in those five wins, our defence held our opposition to an average of 13 points, Uh, That shows how outstanding the defence was and how reliant he was on the defence. The other thing to think about is in those games that Mason played, he averaged 19.75 points, so roughly about 19 points per game, which in this modern NFL is not enough. You know, you need um, your offense to be consistently putting up over 20, over 30 points realistically per game to put you in a position to win. If you look at the elite quarterbacks, the best quarterbacks in the AFC, you Josh Allen, you're Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrows. With their team, they're consistently putting up high point totals. And that's something that obviously will be a concern. Um, if Mason Rudolph is our starting quarterback next year. You know, I have my doubts over Mason. Um, if he is a starting quarterback, obviously I will back him because he's a Pittsburgh Steeler and I back all my Steeler players. I love all my Steeler players, no matter who they are. Uh, other things to look Look forward to, Um, obviously Tuesday is the 1st of March and on the 1st of March the NFL Combine starts, 300 players will be attending the biggest job interview of their lives, that's how I saw it described the other day, um, as the biggest job interview Um, I read the other day as well that, you know, maybe the combine shouldn't really be the influence that it has on making players move up the draft board. It could certainly drop a few players, but there's a few players that will be looking to really impress and raise their draft stock going into this combine. You know, when we look at players like of the likes of the quarterbacks, like uh, Desmond Ridder, for example, Carson Strong. Marlett Willis, obviously will be players who are looking to raise that draft stock even more than they currently are, along with uh, players of the calibre of uh, Nakobi Dean, um, of Ikeme Kawonu, Trevor Penning, all these players, Travis Jones, that have been mentioned in um, reports from coming out of the Senior Bowl. Um, on March the third, you'll see the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, and the tight ends doing their work. And then on March the fourth, you will see the running backs, offensive linemen, and special teamers doing their work. The fifth of March, it's turn of the defensive linemen and the linebackers. And this is a very deep linebacker class. Uh, some very high quality linebackers coming out of college this year. And I'll be talking about linebackers, uh, potential targets uh, in the draft for the Steelers in this podcast. On the 6th of 3rd, which is a big day for me, my birthday, my 44th birthday, you'll see the defensive backs go towards so the cornerbacks, uh, safeties and so on. Um, talked about cornerbacks in a previous podcast and also in an article as well that I wrote for the uh, BTSC Fan Post articles, uh, part of the webpage. I put another one up there today, um, please can have a look at that, that's um, as regarding the likes of JC Jackson I've written a report on and I also wrote a report today about the linebackers. So please go and take a look at those for me. Drop me a comment. On the website, it'd be great to read what you think of what I'm writing. Um, I'm working really hard to develop my writing style and to become a better podcaster and a better writer on the Pittsburgh Steelers. To get the point of view from the UK, to give the point of view from this side of the pond. Uh, you know, even though the NFL obviously is a minority sport over here in the UK, it is growing. It is a, you know, a sport that has around about 13 million casual fans and somewhere in the region of four and a half to five million avid fans, um, as described by the NFL. So, as this is my opportunity to talk to you about the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, I love talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm happy to talk to anyone about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, so obviously, you know, on my social media platforms, I'm happy to join in any discussion as regards our fantastic Steelers. So let's turn um, our attentions to linebacker. Now, inside linebacker position last season was a position that often didn't didn't live up to the... The way it should have done, the way that Pittsburgh Steelers inside linebackers play. You know, if you look at Pittsburgh Steelers linebackers of the past, you know, your Lamberts, your Hams, Andy Russell's, uh, James Farriers, uh, Arthur Motes, people of those quality that have played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And obviously, I've missed some there. I'm just trying to obviously skim some main names there. I don't want this podcast to go on all night, obviously. Um, there's been some fantastic, fantastic inside linebackers play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Vince Williams, obviously. Now, Last year, the Steelers' inside linebacker play left a lot to be desired. Partly this was due to the weakened defensive line, uh, because the offensive linemen of opposition teams were able to get to that that, uh, second line, able to get into our linebackers, and no offensive lineman should lose a battle to a Inside linebacker. And with the best will in the world, if you look at the three main linebackers in our rotation inside linebacker, in Devon Bush, Joe Schobert, and Robert Spillane, none of those guys are built to be able to take on big, beefy offensive linemen. That's not their game. They're sideline to sideline, they're speed linebackers, they're good in coverage, they're not there to fight offensive lineman That's not their job. And ha- not having Tyson Alo-Alo and not having Stefan it really hurt them last season. And with the best one in the world, as well as the likes of Chris Wormley, Isaiah Loudermilk, Henry Mondeau, Carlos Davis, Montrevious Adams did, they're not Alo-Alo and they're not to it. And they don't have the same um, presence and talent as those two guys. So obviously inside the linebacker is a position that um, could be... Uh, One that we need to address going into the draft and into free agency. Uh, At the present moment in time, obviously, Buddy Johnson is under contract for next year. Buddy Johnson didn't play as much of a part um, as he may have been hoped to have played last year. Mainly down to the fact that he wasn't perhaps making the advancements that he needed to on learning the playbook and becoming part of a Steelers defense. He'd obviously take part on special teams as well as being a healthy scratch uh, Robert Spillane is a restricted rights free agent um, as is Mark's Allen um, we also still have on the t- on the, t- the contract Devin Bush, Ulysses Gilbert III uh, for example and Joe Schobert. Now obviously there's got to be some doubts over whether we want to retain Joe Schobert on his present contract. Joe Schobert if he is to be retained on his present contract would cost the Steelers somewhere between 10 and 11 million making him one of the highest paid linebackers in the NFL. And if you look at his production uh, and the quality of his play last season he certainly doesn't deserve to be one of the highest paid linebackers in the NFL he's not obviously in the same class as the likes of Mike Parsons Fred Warner for example so it may be a case that we cut Schobert to save money or we restructure that deal that's something we need to look at but I feel that we really need someone alongside Bush who is going to make a difference Bush and Schobert for me are two similar players Bush and Spillane are two very similar players you just see Gilbert third has yet to fill up Rip to live up to his potential. Robert Spillane, um, like I said, is very similar to Devin Bush. Buddy Johnson is another one uh, who was a rookie last year, going to his sophomore year. There's still a lot of uncertainty surrounding him and what sort of player he is going to be. So to put all your eggs in his basket, obviously, at this point, would be a bit of a mistake. That leaves Marcus Allen. Um, I'm not a fan of Marcus Allen. Um, As I've said in previous podcasts and in articles that I've written, the... Other than dancing, I don't really see what Marcus Allen contributes to the team. He's a very good dancer. You know, if you look at his TikToks and he's after the Ravens game celebrations, he's a very good dancer. Perhaps he could go on Dancing with the Stars or something. He is a very good dancer. I'll be a backup dancer for Drake or something. I don't know. But his player inside linebacker is a little bit um, dubious, sad to say the least. So whilst there are obviously going to be uh, free agents available you know likes of rashad evans from the panthers uh, so from the titans or dante howtower obviously who has that attachment to uh, brian flores from the patriots or landon uh, roberts i think his name is uh, from the dolphins there are obviously free agent inside linebackers however this inside linebacker class that is coming out in the 2022 draft is one of the more deeper areas in what has been described as a poorer draft there is no real highly uh, established pecking order. You know, going into last year's draft, it was seen that uh, Micah Parsons obviously was the top prospect, as he proved this year with the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, he was Defensive Rookie of the Year and came second in the votes for Defensive Player of the Year. Mm. I mentioned alongside him, obviously, was Dylan Moses uh, from Alabama and from Notre Dame Jeremiah Awusu Koromo JOK, who for his uh, sins ended up at the Cleveland Browns. Poor him! But obviously, taken before them two in the draft was Tulsa's very own Zayvon Collins and Kentucky's Jamin Davis. So they were really that was really the top five. Um, Prospects coming out of college last year. Now, this year, like I said, there is no established pe- pecking order. What I've done is I've looked at five very good prospects, and also there are some other prospects behind them who I would rate very highly at that inside linebacker position. Now, for me, there is one player who stands out um, a mile to me, and that is Devon Lloyd. Devon Lloyd, who is, is it, comes out of Utah? He is 6'3", he's 235 pounds. He currently stands at rank of 14 on the big board, and he's described as an all-round linebacker. A lot of pundits, a lot of commentators I've heard have said that if he's there at 20, the Steelers should run to the podium and grab him with both hands, given the potential that this young man has. He's described as being long, athletic, having a good range of movement and a good range around the pitch. Um, He has good lateral explosion and is a sideline-to-sideline talent. He has high-end explosiveness, has solid long speeds, was able to cover and run with running backs and tight ends. He's a tackling threat no matter who has the ball. He's able to hit hard and put his man down." On the other side of the thing, on the running side of the game, he can shed blocks and he can seal off running lanes, which is obviously something that would attract the Pittsburgh Steelers, given the fact that our run defense was so poor last year, giving up an average of about 140 yards per game. Um he's <coughs> Pardon me. His size enables him to work and win when at a disadvantage. So, obviously, that's something that would enable him to battle with offensive linemen that a little bit better than perhaps Devon Bush would. And at six foot three, 235 pounds, he's obviously that much bigger than Devon Bush. And where Devon Bush is seen as undersized, he would be your normal sized inside linebacker. The other thing about uh, Devon Lloyd is he's a stellar communicator. He's got excellent football IQ. He's smart. He's instinctive. He's proactive. He often will change the offense, uh, so he'll change the defense as well when he reads what the offense is putting out there. Um, Long term, he could be a potential leader of your defense. The guy who carries the green spot on his helmet. Career-wise, um, in his time at Utah, he has had 256 total tackles, 16 and a half sacks, so he's done very really well there. Two forced fumbles, two passes defensed, and five interceptions. has a good all-round game. Um, I'm, you know, after watching tape, after watching um, highlights, and also reading what I've read about him, I'm very impressed with Devon Lloyd as a linebacker, and I certainly think that if he is available there at 20, he is someone the Steelers should run to the podium and grab with both hands. So that's one possible prospect. Building on that, uh, Nakobe Dean. Nakobe Dean is from Georgia. He won the 2021 Butkus Award as the best linebacker in college. He's six foot, 225 pounds, which puts him slightly on the undersized category for a linebacker, given that he's only six foot. He's reactive, he's quick, and he's agile. He affects the pass game very, very well as he blitzes with good success. He is very quick in getting close to the quarterbacks and so putting pressure on the quarterback. And Whilst his sack numbers are perhaps not as high as you'd expect for someone with that speed, his quarterback pressure numbers are very good. In the run game, he's instinctive. He has got good tackles for a loss on the run game, often reading the game, reading the intentions of the, of the running back and be able to hit the running back in the backfield. Um, he's able to beat linemen with his speed and his manoeuvrability. He's a three down linebacker uh, and is another good prospect again coming out of Georgia. Uh, Georgia have a few outstanding defensive prospects, obviously, coming, coming there along with Jordan Davis, the defensive lineman. Career-wise, it is time at Georgia. Nakobe Dean has 89 solo tackles, 79 assisted tackles. Thirteen and a half tackles for a loss, two interceptions, and seven and a half sacks with two forced fumbles. So again, the Kobe Dean is another possible. However, I feel that perhaps he is not the man the Steelers should look at because of the fact that he is described as undersized. And do we really want two undersized linebackers? And will this not just be reproducing the schobert Bush or the Bush Spillane or the Spillane Schobert axis? And that's something that we need to think about. So although he is obviously a very talented linebacker, perhaps he's not the best possible person as a fit for the Pittsburgh Steelers but could be a good fit for somebody else hopefully not someone in the AFC North. Uh, Another player, Brian Asamoah from Oklahoma State, he has had career-wise 169 tackles, 5 sacks, he's 6 foot 1 inches, 230 pounds, he's had 3 forced fumbles, an interception and and 5 passes defensed. Uh, One thing I read about Brian Asamoah that I really liked was that he is a violent tackler Uh, perhaps someone in the uh, mold of a James Harrison, Ryan Clark uh, style for the Steelers, those of you who remember some of those hits that James Harrison and Ryan Clark put on. Uh, There's a a YouTube video you can go on and find if you go to YouTube and you look at um, and you put in James Harrison, Ryan Clark hits, it brings up a video um, which is uh, Prefaced by the thing, these are, we didn't say these were the hardest legal hits, and some of them are slightly dodgy. But, uh, you know, Brian with is described as a very violent tackler, uh, perhaps the one Pittsburghs, the other fans would love to see play. Now, Brian Asamoah at Oklahoma struggled these early days for playing time. Uh, this was due to the fact that he seemed to struggle to learn the complicated defensive schemes run by the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, as soon as he obviously learnt the scheme, he was put into the team and had an instant impact in his first season starting and proved himself to be an excellent addition to the Oklahoma team, and an excellent inside linebacker. He was described as his, by his coach as having great athleticism, sideline to sideline speed, and great closing speed on uh, running and passing plays. He's a good athlete um, and can diagnose running plays. He has the intelligence, uh, football IQ to look at a running play and know what the running back is going to do. Again, he's a little bit undersized and perhaps would be someone the Steelers may look at if they were thinking to replace Bush um, long term. Now, someone I really like and was really impressed by uh, when I read um, his uh, draft network and his draft buzz profile on the internet and and looked at some of the ESPN stats, the NFL stats, and looked at his college tape, was a guy called Leo Chanel. Leo Chanel, I think his name is Chanel, from Wisconsin. Uh, Leo Chanel is six foot two and he's a massive 261 pounds. He is a Pretty impressive physical specimen. Uh, Career-wise for Wisconsin, he's had 156 tackles, 12 sacks, 3 forced fumbles, 1 interception and 1 pass defensed. He's described as a supreme athlete. He has explosive hitting power and excellent speed um, for a man of his size. One thing I really liked reading was the fact that his frame, his body, looks like it's been carved out of rock, out of granite. He is solid as a rock, a huge hitter. Now, one thing the Steelers have missed this year is that big thumper in the middle. I think when Vince Williams announced his retirement at the start of last season, uh, we really did miss that presence, that big physical presence in the middle of the uh, linebacker quartet. Uh, Vince Williams had the ability to fight and beat offensive linemen, Vince Williams was your linebacker leader and I think that presence was really missed last season. So I think that's something the Steelers should be looking to replace in this draft or in free agency. Leo Chanel could be that man, especially when you consider that he has a great football IQ. He is described as a natural leader. He's described as the best run defender on his team and a huge hitter why is he good at run defense well he can shed doubles teams he can be offensive lineman and he never stops fighting at any point he closes off running lanes and shuts down the running game with regularity he's a super hard worker both on and off the field so for me, Leo Chanel could be someone who is a bit of a dark horse for the Steelers, someone who could be picked up in the second or third, maybe even the fourth round, and could be an excellent acquisition for the Steelers as an inside linebacker, and could be that replacement for Vince Williams that we've been looking for. And like I said to you, that, that loss of Williams, I think, was really felt last season. We were left with linebackers who were all very similar type linebackers, um, and Chanel is that man who perhaps is not that similar type linebacker. Another good physical linebacker we could look at coming out of college is Christian Harris. Christian Harris obviously will have excellent football pedigree after working with Nick Sabin and coming out of the Alabama Crimson Tide. It, you know, it's very rare that the Alabama Crimson, Alabama Crimson Tide turn out a poor player and Christian Harris is certainly not a poor player. He also has an excellent last name, no relation of course, but if he's anything like the last Harris we had from Alabama, he would be an excellent acquisition. He's six foot two, 232 pounds. He is 200, had 221 tackles in his career with the Crimson Tide, 10 sacks, three forced fumbles, one interception and six passes defensed. He is a three year starter in for Bama and was a four star recruit. Um, Christian Harris is exceptionally athletic and has great football intelligence. Given the fact that in his time when um, growing through high school and through the college system, he's also played cornerback, tight end, and has been a punt returner as well. Harris has a good, strong upper body and a great muscular lower half. So again, is that more physical linebacker you could be, we could be looking for to replace Vince Williams, who has not been replaced as yet? Um, you can cover running backs and tight ends, have the speed not to get burned by them. Something that was obviously very useful in the AFC when you consider the talent of the tight ends and running backs in this current um, this current era. When you look at the likes of obviously Travis Kelsey, Dawson Knox, uh, Darren Waller and so on and so forth. Christian Harris also provides an excellent physical Presence too, versatile, um, and the ability to fight off blocks. Uh, that ability to fight off blocks obviously serves him well in run defense. So there's another possibility at linebacker who could help to improve our run defense, which is something we off, we very much need to do this season, as that was an area we really suffered. Uh, you know, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, I've mentioned articles. I think you know if we were to get sorted with the likes of J.C. Jackson. Um, be able to get him or re sign a Keller with a spoon, we could sort our secondary out um, along with obviously re signing Minka to a long term contract and Terrell to a long, long term contract. If we can get in uh, someone in the draft like a Christian Harris, like a Leo Chanel, that would obviously help our run defense. So, Christian Harris out of Alabama is another good prospect, another person, hopefully, the Steelers are looking at, and again, someone who could be available in that second or third round. Another player I've been exceptionally impressed with um, comes out of Wyoming, uh, Chad Moomer. Um, Those of you who saw or watched the Senior Bowl would have seen him chase down and tackle Malik Willis, when Malik Willis looked like he was heading into the touchdown zone. Uh, Chad Moomer is 6'3", 242 pounds, which again is a very physical, big, powerful linebacker. Um, he has legit NFL size, legit NFL athleticism, and is good at run uh, on the run defense and also on pass defense. Good in coverage, good in shutting off running lanes, and is a very good prospect coming out of Wyoming. Uh, He is certainly worth a look and again is someone who could be available in the second or third round. Uh, Those of you interested in Chad Moomer, go on to BTSC, uh, check out the excellent Shannon White article on him. My friend Shannon White did a brilliant job on writing up a quality article on Chad Moomer. Well worth a look Um, and he is certainly someone who could, I think, uh, fit into the Steelers. Very much a Steelers type linebacker, Um, someone we could definitely look at. Other possibilities... um, I'll just list these off Brandon Smith coming out of Penn State obviously described as athletic 240 pounds Brandon being a Penn State my State fan myself uh, one area where Brandon falls down is sometimes his missed tackles I think he had 17 and a half missed tackles um, last season so that is something that would need to be addressed in the pros uh, you've got Troy Anderson from Montana State Damian Beavers from Cincinnati Channing Tyndall also from Georgia Quay Walker from Georgia Uh, You've got Damone Clark from LSU. And those of you perhaps looking for that later round prospect, someone who could be available in the fifth or the sixth round of the draft, uh, a guy called Jack Sanborn from Wisconsin. Uh, My good friend Matty Peverell identified this guy to me um, and has identified this guy quite a few times in his war room program on btsc Uh, jack sanborn is a good physical linebacker a good big thumper someone who could fulfill that vince william role vince williams role for the steelers and someone worth looking at uh, for me so you know looking at those possibilities you know this draft class does seem quite deep on the inside linebacker um, field for me the best prospects are obviously Devon Lloyd I think is by far the most outstanding prospect and may well be gone before the Steelers come to pick at 20. Um, If he is there at 20 I think we should snap their hands off get there run to the podium and say the Pittsburgh Steelers with Number 20 pick, a select Devon Lloyd. I think it wouldn't be something you would regret doing. Another good prospect, obviously, that Leo Chanel from Wisconsin, Christian Harris from Alabama, and Chad Moomer from Wyoming are all good prospects and people I would love to see the Steelers draft and I think would really um, help us to develop our inside linebacker group. And if you consider what the Steelers do with linebackers, how they work with linebackers and the caliber of linebackers the Pittsburgh Steelers turn out, you know, this could be uh, a fantastic opportunity for one of these rookies to come in and really make a name for themselves in the NFL, following, you know, in the footsteps of the likes of um, James Farrier, of or, or Ryan Shazier, Kevin Green, Greg Lloyd, all these fantastic linebackers James, uh, that have played for the Pittsburgh Steelers over the years, and many, many more that I you know, that if I were here was to sit here and list every single one of them, you know, Jack Lambert, Jack Hamm, Andy Russell, I could be here all day. An all nights listing of those fantastic linebackers. Uh, there are definite possibilities and people I would love to see the Pittsburgh Steelers take an interest in. I think they're well worth watching um, on the 5th of March in the combine. If you can get access to anywhere that is screening the combine to look at those players that I've mentioned, you know, the Christian Harris's, Devon Lloyd's, Leo Chanel's, and Chad Moomers of this world, all good quality players that could really help to develop the Steelers. I think, you know, with Adding someone of those caliber, uh, those linebacker caliber, along with the cornerbacks that I've mentioned in my previous podcast and on my BTSC article, um, you know, that would help us to develop that elite defense that could cope with those elite quarterbacks that we're going to face next season in the AFC North and in the AFC. Having that elite defense is absolutely vital for me. It is a Pittsburgh thing. Pittsburgh are known for having a defense and we need to get back to having that defense that is feared across the NFL. Uh, Feared in, in its run stopping, feared in its pass stopping and feared in its pass rushing. And that's something I think is absolutely vital that we need to address in this free agency period that we're going to move into on the 14th of March and in the draft um, in April. So that's just my thoughts on linebackers. You know, I'm sure you've all got your own thoughts on linebackers, um, on who you think that we should or should not draft, and whether you think linebacker is even a priority going into the draft. But given the quality of players, I think, coming out of college this year, we would be slightly foolish not to select one of these high-quality linebackers who I think will make a difference in the NFL for whichever team they are selected for. But obviously, I know the Steelers have so many needs, so many things we need to address. Um, And I will continue to address those in my podcast, in my articles that I write. um, And obviously, that I've addressed in previous podcasts. Once again, I want to thank you all out there in Steeler Nation for listening to this podcast. Uh, Britsburg, voice from across the pond. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed the UK take on the Steelers. I hope you've enjoyed what I've had to say. If you've got any views or comments to make you know please feel free to hit me up on Twitter at E Steeler Nation or on my Facebook group at Britsburg Voice from Across the Pond ask to join if you're not a member um, always welcome Steeler members Steeler fans or send me a friend request on Facebook Britsburg Owen David or go on to my Instagram Britsburg Owen I've also got my YouTube channel uh, britsburg voice from across the pond as well as these podcasts going out on spotify on anchor on google on stitcher and on podbean uh, please feel free to listen and rate them thanks ever so much for listening thanks ever so much steeler nation for your support um, until we meet again here we go Steelers.